Welcome back to the Aesthetics of Leadership podcast, where we discuss the nature and appreciation of transformations. I am your host, Edwin Adams, and today, entrepreneur and athlete, Shadi Assad. I just appreciate a few moments of, of your day to, to really understand your story. You know, I had the privilege of meeting you a few weeks ago down in Austin at the Riser Nation event. And you know, just captivating conversations that entire night. And you and Bear um, were so kind to me. And I even had a chance to come see the place where where you build the greatness that you build. But I knew there was a, a greater story than that because you don't tell the story on Instagram. I mean, I, I see you were a baseball pitcher, soccer player, uh, and now a fitness professional and a business owner. But there's a deeper story there. And I just wanted to... Um, I just wanted to go there and see what yeah. is it that has built the man that I had the privilege of meeting a few weeks ago. Where did it start? How did you how did you get on this this fascinating journey of personal growth and development? That's a great question, Ed. So it really started from pretty much my childhood. So growing up for me, I was never, you know, proud of what I saw in the mirror, body image wise. So when you're not proud of what you see in the mirror, a lot of it will reflect with your inner dialogue that you tell yourself. And, you know, once you go down that spiral, it's it's not a good spiral to go down because, you know, you start dealing with the negative self-talk. You know, you always start doubting yourself. And I was noticing those traits. And, you know, it got to the point where I didn't want to go to the pool with my friends just for the sake of not wanting to take my shirt off in public. And this was at a younger age. So I was noticing this probably when I was about 14, 15. And, you know, fast forward, I get to college and, you know, I was still having these negative self images about myself. Yes, I was, I was active, but, you know, it wasn't to my expectation of where I wanted to be. And once I got to college, I really looked myself in the mirror. I remember it vividly. The first day I got there was August 25th. And basically I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, look, you got to make a change. Cause at the end of the day, I couldn't see myself living the rest of my life with having this negative self-talk and, you know, not liking what I saw in the mirror. So I said, look, make a promise to yourself, you know, go to the gym three days a week for a month. If you didn't like it, at least you tried it, but you gave it a shot. And fast forward, you know, I guess now it's been about three and a half, four years. I haven't looked back since. It became addicting. And the reason it became addicting to me was I saw a little progress in the way my self-image looked. But once I saw progress in the way I looked in the mirror, my self-confidence rose with that. And when you're more confident, you got the ability to do anything and everything. So that was a feeling to me that was addicting. And, you know, once I really shifted my mindset around, hey, not only are you changing your body physically, but you're mentally changing the way you believe in yourself and the way you take on tasks. So and my relationships were better with people. So I was like, this might be a little something more than just physical. And once I kind of came up with that, I shifted my mindset around, hey, this is a lifestyle, man. This is something you got to do so you feel good within yourself. And so as my body started to change, my confidence started to go up with that. 
and that started to bleed into other aspects of life, you know, whether it was my relationships with my parents, my friends, um, the way my body felt, you know, I wasn't going out anymore. And, you know, on Sundays, I was always waking up like hungover when I was younger and stuff like that. And you get into that, you know, that repetitiveness of it, and it starts to become, in a sense, normal. So I had broken that off. You know, in college, that's where you do the most of your your partying days. But for me, that was when I got the most focused was once I got to college. So then um, Bear, which is the other partner with the gym and opening it, we have known each other when we were about 12 to 15 years old. But it was funny because we always played on opposite teams. So we were on rival teams. So in a sense, we we kind of hated each other when we were younger just because we were on a rival teams. And so uh, fast forward to college, I didn't know he went to tech until I was working one day. And then he comes in, I was like, there is like shatty. And I was like, there's no way you go here. He's like, dude, I've been here for the last two years. So once I noticed he was up there, I started rekindling our fire a little bit with bear. And so we started hanging out a little bit more often. Um, we would come back to Austin over here where home is for both of us. I was seeing him a lot more whenever I was at home. So him and I started to build this relationship that, you know, we put the sports side of it away, the rivalry and, you know, just man to man, just, you know, enjoyed each other's presence. And it was funny because he would always ask me about like my fitness with personal training and stuff like that. But I never knew why he was always so curious. But in the back, now I know it was because he, he was putting this thing together. <laughs> and um, so he would always be like, so what do you think about long-term personal training? Like, do you want to do anything with the gym? And in my head, I'm like, why is this guy asking so many questions about what I want to do? And so, you know, I was kind of telling him my backstory and, you know, the reason I wanted to get into fitness was because if I knew the impact it made on my life, then I know it can make the same impact, if not more on someone else's life. And for that sole reason, I knew I wanted to be in fitness and not what I was majoring in in college, which was sport management. So, you know, I was telling Bear all about that. And he was like, look, man. I want to show you this space that, you know, I think we can put together uh, for a gym. And, you know, for me, I didn't care whether it was a four by four little box square with two things in it. I just knew if I could be somewhere in fitness, I knew I can branch and go from wherever it is. So before even seeing the site, I was like, I'm in. And he was like, well, let me show you. <laughs> let me show you where it's going to be at. Yeah. So then I, uh, he ends up bringing me to the site and I was like, I was blown away. I was like, this is going to be my first, you know, gym inside the gym business. So for me, it was a blessing. I think it was from the man above that kind of reignited our fire together, knowing that we were going to do this thing together um, and help build it. So, you know, we go through college and then COVID hits. This is the part where it gets a little tricky because I had a decision to make. I had a decision to either go back to college and finish out a major that I had no passion for and was just doing it mainly just to get a degree, which wasn't going to mean, excuse my language, mean shit and because I didn't have a passion for it. So, you know, it was a it was a thinking point for me to really sit down and like, hey, what do you really want to do? You know, do you want to go the path of 
going to get your sport management degree, but not be fulfilled, not feel like you're doing what you need to by God's, you know, um, image of what he wants you to do? Or do I want to go into something that I genuinely have a passion for? And like I was saying earlier, I knew how much of a difference fitness made in my life. So I know it can do the same impact in hundreds of not thousands other people. So basically once COVID hit, I didn't even go back to college. I just went with the gym and helped started building that together. Um, and, you know, I haven't looked back since. And I think it was one of those life-changing deals where, you know, you got people that look down on you for not finishing out on college, you know? So it's one of those where you're going to deal with the, uh, the negativity side of things for not finish out college. But at the end of the day, this is my life and I want to do what satisfies me, not what satisfies others. So yeah, the backlash was there, but I think the doors and opportunities that opened for me since doing the gym far succumb what it would have been if I just finished out at college. So um, basically we decided I wasn't going to go back. So we come back to Austin. And then once we get to Austin, um, basically we put down the, the whole program together, how it's going to look like from, you know, machines, all that good stuff. And the biggest thing is we wanted to create a space where all walks of life can come together for the betterment of themselves, both physically and mentally. So that was our biggest thing. We wanted to get away from that corporate gym feel, you know, where it's just a, a scan in and you're on your own, you know, because the gym's a, it's not the, it's not the most inviting place to be, you know, people, you know, they get anxiety when they walk in through the gym, you know, because they feel like all the eyeballs are on them. So we wanted to put that all, yeah, we wanted to put that all at ease and just really allow anybody, whether you've never seen a gym before, or whether you're an avid gym goer and been going for the last 20 years, we wanted to welcome everybody and anybody. And I think the best way we've been able to accomplish that is by really investing our time into knowing our members and everybody that comes in and getting to know them on a first name basis, because I feel like I know we're doing our job here at the gym by getting these members that come in and they'll literally talk with the front desk for 20 minutes before getting in their workout. So I know we're making a good impact on people's lives when we're able to chat with them like for 20 minutes. And then they're like, oh, I got to get my workout in before my wife gets mad at me. So it's um it's a great opportunity. And man, it's open doors that I never thought would have. So it's been a great opportunity, man. And, you know, we're looking to expand here in the next few years um, and just try to continue to progress forward with these gyms. Yeah. Wow. What a story. Okay. I got a thousand questions, Shadi. Yeah. So that, that is absolutely perfect. Look, I want to go all the way back to the first part of your story when you, you were talking about looking at that person in, in the image uh, or the, looking at your image and it just seems to me that you increased the level of awareness that, yeah, you had negative thoughts and you made a decision to change those thoughts in order to create a new belief. I, I don't think most people raise that level of awareness like you did. So help frame for me you know, thinking into a person who's looking in the mirror and they're spiraling as the victim and not raising the self-awareness, what's the cue or what's the training that it takes to 
stop the spiral and get people to think into what's possible versus this negative train wreck, if you will? Yeah. So that's a great question. So the way I like to explain it, I read it in a book. So let's talk about it like your room, for example. So everybody has a certain standard of how messy they'll let their room get before they do something about it. So there's some people where if they have one piece of clothing, oh, I got to put that up and fold it and put it away. Some people will allow five pieces of clothing to go onto the floor before doing something to change. So for me, it was just, I got to that breaking point. Everybody has a different breaking point for whatever it is. And I think for me, that breaking point was when I had those negative self talks to myself for so long that finally it hit me where you got to do something about this or else the rest of your life is going to go like this. And for me, it was like, I couldn't live the rest of my life having those negative self-talks and I knew it could start by just changing the way I looked physically. Um, because like I said, that was stemming from a confidence standpoint side of things. So it was, for me, it really just came down to, I've had enough. And each person's realm of where they've had enough is different. Like I said, just depending on, you know, at what point do you want to make that change? And for me, I remember it was, you know, once I got to college that freshman year that, hey, I can't go the rest of my life living like this. Something needs to change and it needs to change now. So yeah. that's, yeah. Yeah. So, so, okay. Let's say I had caught you in your junior year of high school. Okay. Uh, when, when the pain, the pain of despair of, of looking at yourself in the mirror, you had not reached rock, rock bottom. Is there anything that you could have heard from a friend, from, from a mentor, from, from someone you were trying to model your life after, or is there anything you could have read that would have quickened your opportunity to raise that self-awareness before you hit rock bottom? Would anything have changed it? So there's one book that I read later that I know if I could have read earlier, it would have switched a lot of the mindset stuff. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So there's a book called Good Vibes, Good Life. I think it's by Hex or Vex. I think it's called, I think his name was Vex something, but it's called Good Vibes, Good Life. But it just talks to you about the mental side dialogue that goes on in your head um, and just properly trying to program good good energy good vibrations because at the end of the day what you put out is what you're going to get back so if you're having this negative self-talk like i was doing a lot of at this time that's what i was attracting back to me but if i change my mindset to have positive thinking um positive self-image those those good vibrations i'm putting out into the world is what i was going to reciprocate back and once I read that book, it really shifted my mindset to positive self-talk, you know, um, gratitude, be grateful for what you do have um, and putting those, go those good vibrations out in the world, because ultimately that's what you're going to get back to you. Whatever you put out into the world, it will come right back to you. Fascinating. You know, I, I'm, I think my insatiable curiosity is around exactly this point. You know, I watch people's trajectory down a victim spiral to to, uh, to the decision point at the bottom where unfortunately for some people they're choosing to check out of life 
period. And that's, that's so unfortunate that personal suffering leads to that ultimate choice. But for individuals such as yourself, that you reach a point on, on that trail downward where the pain, the pain of making, uh, the pain of staying the same is greater than the pain it's going to take to transform. And you change your trajectory in that moment. And I'm, I'm always curious if there's a precursor moment that could have been tapped. And is there a magic recipe to raise people's awareness early? And I know you've been coaching and training people for a little, little while now. What have you learned about the opportunity to before that, that, that painful decision point? What, yeah. what are people teaching you about their, their trajectories? So what I've kind of noticed, you know, a lot of people that on the training wise for my clients that I do train, I notice a common trend and that's really just their relationship with food and fitness. You know, a lot of them have a negative mindset with it and a lot of it comes from what they've read or heard from other people that might not be entirely true, but they don't quite know themselves. So they're going to believe what someone else tells them. So a lot of it is where clients are coming in and they're saying, Oh, I can't have this. I can't have that. I can't have this. I go, okay, let's, let's go away from what we can't have. And let's think about what we can have, because if we can include this, if we can conclude that, the more variety I'm able to provide for you, the more sustainable this is long-term. And that is my job. My job is to really create sustainable lifestyle changes that will not only last for, you know, however long we may work together a few months, but to ultimately be a lifetime. That is my goal. I want lifestyle changes, not these quick diet fads where it's like quick yo-yo dieting. You do it for six weeks and it's super rigorous but you know you can't sustainably do that long term. So our biggest thing and my philosophy here at the gym is really let's incorporate tools that can last a lifetime that aren't rigorous, that still allow you to have that dessert on the weekends because at the end of the day, we still want to live life and be social, but it's at least having that basic knowledge and understanding of, hey, yes, I can have ice cream, but I can't have the whole, the whole jar, you know? And that's the thing where, you know, it's portion control a little bit, but it's like, hey, I still have ice cream every week, but I'm only eating like, you know, a little, a little cups worth. Whereas typically people, when they're digging into the ice cream side, they're, they're having the whole pint. So it's just really their relationships with food and just shifting their mindset about, you know, you don't, it's not just chicken and rice. You know, that's the biggest one that I give with clients. They're like, oh, I'm, I don't want to just eat chicken. And it's not like that. No. You know, there's just a, there's a whole variety. And that's why I like to do what we can include in our diet, because I can provide you, if I can provide you with a variety of different things you can choose from, the likelihood of you doing this long term go way up than if I make it so restrictive on you that it's going to crash at some point. Sure. I, I know probably a lot of people um, that you work with have looked for or are looking for motivation. Tell me about your beliefs around motivation and is motivation sustainable or is there another source that people should be tapping into? And that's a great question. So when it comes to the motivation aspect, there's one thing that will always triumph that 100% of the time and that's discipline. 
So motivation is only some initial spark that you're going to get, whether it's from something you read, something you saw video wise, that may initiate the motivation. But what keeps that, that the engines running is the discipline. It's doing it on the days you don't want to do it. Because at the end of the day, if you're trying to run a business or you're just trying to be successful at what you do, you got to get comfortable with doing things you don't really want to do every day. And I think by having that understanding of making things non-negotiable, non-negotiable for you, because I got this from Kobe Bryant. He, uh, what he did in his off season, he wrote himself a contract and he wrote himself a contract saying, look, I'm working out. I forget what it was. It's I think like six days a week, um, you know, doing two a days, but he signed it at the bottom. So he said, once I sign it, it's non-negotiable. I have to do it now. So it was one of those things with me when it came to taking care of my body and my health. I put my own little contract together and, you know, signed it at the bottom. And it was like, you know, no matter how busy, how crazy it may get trying to run the gym, I will make at minimum four to five days a week of working out. So now it's programmed in my mind. It's non-negotiable. I'm going to do it whether I'm motivated or I'm not, you know, just because it's coming from the disciplinary side. And that's what's going to triumph motivation 10 out of 10 times. It's just doing things that you're going to, you're going to do regardless if you feel like doing it or not. And I think motivation is something that's very short lived, but discipline will always triumph that and take over on the long run, the long scheme of things. Yeah, I totally, totally respect that Shaddy. Wow. Wow. Um, something else you said uh, back at the beginning of your story was, was the comparison game. That, that you played when, when you looked at yourself in the mirror, you know, you, you've grown up in the age of social media. It's really easy to see where you are by looking in the mirror, have that implanted on your, your mind. And then you're scrolling through social media and you see everybody else who is so much more successful than you are. I, I know that's a problem. And I, I know a lot of people face that in this connected world that we're in. How do you help someone stop playing the comparison game and and look more internally into the the development of the belief itself what does that look like from your standpoint so i think that really stems from your own relationships within your own mind you know because we yes we're in that era of where we like to compare ourselves to others and we got to think about social media as really just your highlight reel social media is not telling you we're not didn't show the work. Yeah, we don't. Yeah, we're only social media is only showing you the highlights of each person's life. And when people get so consumed on the social media side, you start, you know, you're, I feel like your, your train of thought starts to switch and, you know, oh, I don't look like that. So I'm not where I want to be. And I used to stem with that a little bit at the beginning, but I know I'm creating the best version of myself. And I had to stop comparing myself to others because each person's story is so different. And on social media, you're only getting the highlight reels of everybody's life. They're not telling you the bad stuff that's going on. You're only hearing about, I hit this goal, I hit this, but they don't know the back end work that it took to get there. So I think shifting your mindset around like, yes, it's cool to see other people's story and be there along with them to applaud them. But at the end of the day, you only got yourself 
And I think something that really people need to shift their mindset on is just becoming the best version of yourself. And, you know, there's, there's a few things that I believe in. If I'm doing these things, I know I'm headed in the right direction. And simply that's like working out four to five times a week, reading 10 pages a day and listening to a podcast in the morning. So for me, if I'm doing those things consistently every week, none of the people's success on social media will affect me because I know I'm doing the things that I have to, that I wrote for myself to do. And at the end of the day, there'll become an opportunity where whatever that door opens for me, there's going to be, you know, prosperity and success for whatever it may be. Cause everybody's timing is different, you know? Yeah. Uh, that's such, such wisdom there. I, I think, um, you know, I'm sure in counseling people about, um, or coaching, I should say, coaching people about a, a nutrition program or plan that part of that plan is avoidance of certain foods. I, I hate yeah. to say that word avoidance, that seems so negative, but maybe uh, if you did an inventory of your pantry, you reduce the volume of certain things in your pantry so you don't have access to it. I guess social media is kind of like that too. When you're yeah. in this transformative space where you're trying to become the best version of yourself in these formative first few weeks, maybe it's a good idea to not have social media as part of the plan. Yeah. Let's minimize your your looking because your propensity is going to be to compare. So yeah. let's let's cut that down. And when you when you continue to compare, it takes the focus away from yourself. And you know, the, the, the more you compare, the less or not the less, the more you're going to take away from your own self. And that is never um, a good recipe on the long term scheme of things. There. Yeah, uh, Shadi, from your story, I'm seeing key key areas where you've had to make some really difficult decisions and. You know, I love the power of choice. And I think in, when, when I'm coaching clients and, and I'm, I'm seeing them fall prey to external circumstances all the time, and that, that keeps them um, in a very small space where they don't see the opportunity around them because it's very scarce. They're just really thinking small and living small. You've made some big life decisions and it, it, it appears from this third party perspective I'm in that you've stepped forward with strength and courage through those decisions. I know they were hard for you, but it's almost a faith journey, it feels like, for you that, that you didn't know all the answers, but you knew enough of the answer for yourself that you stepped forward with confidence and courage and strength anyway, and you're accepting what will be. Yeah. Um, tell me about how that's developed, that, that mindset right there. I think that's magic. Yeah. So, you know, we like to think that we have a crystal ball and can determine everything that's going to happen in our life. And ultimately there is not one. So, you know, a lot of these decisions got to be based off what you feel inside your heart, you know, for what feels right, because your gut, your guts majority going to be right majority of the time. So, you know, listening to your gut feelings and biggest thing, man, is like, I've always, heard people talk about how they hate their job. And, you know, it's, I heard it growing up with a lot of people um, or parents around me, like, I hate what I'm doing. I'm not happy with it. 
And for me, once I heard that so much growing up from other people that were older than me, I knew that I had to go into something that I actually enjoyed and took passion in, even if it didn't pay well, because I knew that these people were making good money and they were still miserable. So I knew the money thing wasn't going to answer those questions. Um, you know, I have a good buddy of mine, his, you know, they're probably top 1%, but his, this dad is not happy at all. And, you know, you can have, and I've seen it like firsthand, you can have all the money and, but if you're not engaging into something you have a passion for that fulfills you, you're always going to have that missing gap to it. So for me, it was just knowing, I just wanted to know I needed to go into something that I enjoyed and had passion for. And for me, that was fitness. And I knew once I got into fitness, whatever opportunities and doors that may open after would only benefit me because it was something I had passion in. So it was taking away what used to be, I wanted the, the big bucks, you know, I wanted the, you know, the, the highest paying job, but if that wasn't going to fulfill me and satisfy me on a passion side, then I knew in the long term down the road, I was going to be miserable just because I saw it with other folks um, when I was younger. So, you know, having those experiences for me, I knew that if I was into something that I had a passion for, the rest would take care of itself. Oh, that's interesting. I, I, you know, probably the number one question I get from from young men who are seeking a, um, a development coach is they're struggling with finding their purpose. And, and, you know, sometimes I struggle between purpose and passion. Passion seems to be this, this inward aspect of our existence, something that lights us up and allows us to shine. And purpose is how you actualize that in the world. Maybe you, you align your passion with some external activity and the two together are, are, are the, the amazing Beautiful. Nirvana combination, right? Yeah. But a lot of people might be asking the wrong question when I'm listening to you. Instead of asking about purpose, which is external, let's identify the giftedness inside you that is trying to express itself yeah. And then there might be multiple opportunities because, you know, that. so I want to touch on that, but I think right there connected to it is people immediately try to figure out how I can make money off of it so I can live a life in my passion. And boy, there's a disconnect there that yeah. they might love health and fitness, but they, they can't survive with the choice that they're making. So Let's go in those those two areas, um, passion and purpose. I'd love your perspectives on that and the connection yeah. between the two, and if that makes sense. And yeah. then how do you align passion to to employment or entrepreneurship, and, and is that a good strategy? Yeah, so I think when it comes to the passion side of things, that is something you, you, know, you figure out as you go on about life. You know, you try different things, and... I've noticed that passion really stems from you doing something and you don't even have to think about it. You do it because you want to do it. So for me, that's coming into here and I don't even look at the clock, you know? I That's when I know I'm passionate about something when I'm like, oh shit, it's eight o'clock. <laughs> so I think that that's kind of how I knew I was in the right direction when it came to the passion side of things, but trying to tie the passion to the purpose, those that's a very good um, question on the purpose side. I think the purpose is something 
there's not a definitive answer, but it's something you slowly start to figure out over the years. And I think purpose for me is to be able to help others. And I'm able to help others on a broad and wider scale by having this gym because we're allowing anywhere from 1,300 to 1,400 people, that's how much we have on members uh, here, to better their lives. And I think mm -hmm. it stems with the passion. Once you've established where you're at passion-wise, your purpose, you can slowly start to find it through your passion. And I think that's how it worked for me was first, I just wanted to get better myself. But then once I noticed I could get better myself, I'm like, heck, I know other people can feel this way too. And it can build an army of people that are improving their self-confidence and their self-image. So I was like, I think that's maybe when I found my purpose was to, when I when it clicked to me sitting there and saying, hey, I want to help other people feel the way that I'm feeling now after I've changed you know, my body image and the way that I think about it in my head. So... I think those two go intertwined together. And then what was the second part of that question that you had? Or was that? Yeah. Yeah. So, so once they identify their passion um, or, or, or even purpose that, that they immediately go, how can I sustain my life with it? So when they can't immediately find how to put passion and purpose into a monetary income, they struggle. They're like, well, crap, I have to go, I have to go work this job that I'm not passionate about. I wish I could do this. Yeah. There's a big disconnect there. So do we always have to align purpose and passion to income? Or is there a balance that you can make between life-sustaining work and uh, uh, palette? Uh, I'm trying to say balance the two, but I don't believe in yeah. balance. I think one is priority and one is not, but I'm curious yeah. what your thoughts so, are. So there's a guy named Alex Hormozzi, and he was always talking about, you know, if you're having this job and obviously you don't like what you're doing, it's, you have this side job, you have this job that you're, you know, just doing to pay the bills. But on the side, let's say, you know, after work, you're working on this passion or this side deal that you really do enjoy. But ultimately, you got to keep, obviously, that job just to sustain your bills and stuff. But he goes, you need to create through your passion a way to make money off yourself, off your passion. Because he goes, that's the biggest thing. You want to find something you're passionate about and then try to monetize it. So let's say you may be having this job just to pay your bills, but on the side, when days are not working or after hours, you work on your passion and try to build it up to a point where you can monetize it. And then you can slowly drift away from your job and just go ultimately into the spot where you are passionate and you're able to monetize it. So I think mm -hmm. at first you got to kind of do it 50, 50, where, you know, you do the job, you don't really like to pay your bills, but then you also work on something you're passionate about. And then once you're able to really dive into the side you're passionate about and you're able to monetize it, then you slowly drift away from that job that you don't like and go into your passion, which you're able to monetize and hopefully become prosperous, whatever it may be for you on the financial side. Yeah, and, and maybe give yourself a runway saying, you know what, I'm going to give myself two years in this job. Um, I'm going to give myself two years to build the side hustle or whatever period of time, but have an exit strategy. Don't, right. 
don't stay. Yeah. I think it's helpful to see the clock ticking down. That's motivating um, and invigorating in itself. And and I don't want to discredit those people who are passionate and purposeful in employment, right? Right. They, They might find the perfect job on the whole planet that aligns with their purpose and passion and they are absolutely fulfilled i'm not and that's fine. i'm not yeah. judging that i'm saying yeah. that's that's a good match yeah but for yeah. others they might be job hopping and they can't find anything that matches well either either you're too impatient or you're not doing the work necessary um and to, and it comes down to like when you're when you're at a job that you don't enjoy doing you're going to do the bare minimum you're going to yeah. do enough you're going to do just enough to not get fired but when you do something that you're passionate and you enjoy doing you're willing to go above and beyond and ultimately that leads to more open doors down the road for you because you're taking mm-hmm. initiatives with something you enjoy doing so I think that's the biggest difference when it comes to, you know, doing something, yeah, to pay the bills, but you don't ultimately enjoy it towards something you do have passion about and you're willing to excel and do above and beyond in those things. Yeah, do the work and, yeah. and go from good to great. That's when magic starts happening. So I see a lot of impatience in your generation and and the next generation that 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 the journey to purpose and passion should be much more immediate than than what life is showing them what advice do you have to say since i think the journey in the gym is very similar to that it's incremental slow progression sometimes um how, how do you help people build patience in a process that that is quite long yeah so when it comes to the patient side i just think if you're have this set goal, whatever the set goal may be, you know, you want to be a gym owner, you want to, you know, whatever it may be, as long as you're associating daily tasks each day towards getting to that goal, eventually time will catch up to you and the opportunity will present itself. But having this dream and having this goal and you're not doing anything to get to it, you're going to be searching your whole life. So I think it really comes down to establishing, trying to establish exactly what it is or getting an idea of what field you want to be in and then nailing the, the requirements and giving the knowledge that you need to ultimately get to that goal because there's steps sure. to get to the goal. And if you have a goal with no steps to get there, you're essentially just dreaming. And you're just kind of yeah. scattered. Yeah. And, and if you're dreaming the steps up and maybe not getting some advice from someone who's either been there before, that's a mentor or a coach who can help you synthesize better steps. If, if you don't deconstruct it properly, your steps might be leaning, right? right. And that's going to create more frustration. So you really shouldn't silo yourself in trying to figure it out yourself. Bring in somebody who can help right yeah somebody that can help or you know this day and age the internet's crazy on what you can find on there so you know it's people that let's say for example they want to do like drop shipping there's a million videos on the internet on how to get started into that so yeah information's not our problem these days yeah yeah these days it's execution of a a plan Is, is that it 
Yes, it's the execution part. It's knowing you have this goal, but what necessary steps are you going to take to get to that goal and executing it? Like you said, that I feel like is the biggest thing. We and when you say steps, that. those are probably behaviors. Uh, yes. And, and, and people need to know the behaviors that are moving them forward and the ones that are not. Because right. scrolling through social media is a behavior that is probably not no. going to move you up. Um, right. Um, cleaning, um, cleaning out and streamlining your pantry, if you're trying to lose weight, would, would be one of those behaviors. And yeah. it's trackable. Did I do it, it or did I not? Yeah. And it's like the simple thing of just making your bed each morning, you know, because it's, it's a, it starts with your first task of the day. You know, I used to be uh, in my younger days, a little lazy with making the bed. And, you know, ever since I was about, I think once I just turned like 20 or 21, ever since then, every morning I make the bed just because it's a small task, but it's one of those tasks where if I check that box, I feel, I feel a little bit accomplished going into the morning and when you feel that satisfaction of accomplishment you you feel like you can take on the world in a sense and that only boosts your overall morale and when you have a higher morale you're more diligent with your work you know you give positive self-talk to yourself and that was just from something so small as just making my bed in the morning every morning and if i feel like now if i don't ever make my bed i feel like something i didn't do what i needed to do from a disciplinary side, that's going to help me get to my end goal. And yes, it's something so small, but those small tasks, they add up over time and they compound. So it's something small, but they compound in the long run. And I think they play a big difference about um, how you go about day-to-day -day activities in life. Uh, it, it's so amazing, um, Shadi. I think you, you personify so many um, incredible character traits and value traits that are so growth centric that if I hope people have listened to the words you speak and I hope people find you as a mentor to help them move from what they're known for to what they want to be known for because that that growth space in between those two questions clearly you understand those so I think it's amazing and I have such such respect for for you and the team that you're building and the work that you're doing to change the the lives of the people you serve. So well, well done, sir. I appreciate that, man. And, and it's always been an honor. You know, you always, you always hype me up. You're always checking in and seeing how things are going, which, you know, no, you don't have to do that, but you know, the fact that you go out of your day and, you know, you see something that I post and you engage with it, it just, you know, it means a lot to me knowing that you actually do care and you want to see me win. And likewise, I want to see you win also. Yeah. One of the greatest gifts in life that I've come to appreciate Shaddy are the, 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 the people's stories essentially. And everyone's story is a recipe. That's what my logo actually means. The RX symbol that you see on a prescription bottle is actually yeah. Latin it's the Latin symbol for recipe. So I think there's a recipe within all of us that, that defines our story that we share and shine into the world like a light. And I think that's what God has expected uh, through the creation of us to do exactly that, to shine our recipes, which are very unique out into the world. And, yes. you know, um, I'm so thankful that my career took me to Austin to the 
to the point where I connected with a network there. You at Truth Family Fitness, there, the Riser Nation, Matt Worthington, that whole incredible group of people, uh, Logan, Logan Sneed, uh, Joe yeah. Joseph, you, you know, there's so many incredible stories being told and it's enriching to hear them and it's even greater to share them on the podcast so man thank you for your time i know a lot of people are going to be intrigued by what you said and they're going to want to follow you where can they find you number one and how can they follow you yeah so on instagram my username is shadi asad 08 so that's s-h-a-d-i-a-s-a-d zero eight most uh i would say i'm most engaging on instagram for sure um don't really use the others too much so if you want to reach out to me on there whether it's fitness advice nutrition or just hell where to even get started on a fitness journey i'll be more than happy to help you guys out just because i was once in their shoes of not knowing where to start but through you know research and you know trial and error um, I got a pretty good startup plan for anybody that might have any questions on those. So be feel free to reach out to me and I'd be more than happy to help anyone out on there. And if you're in the Austin area, they can find you at. Oh yeah. You can find me at the, uh, the truth family fitness located here and the Cedar park area. So first day is always free. So come on in and I would love to show you around and heck maybe even get a workout in together. Yeah, it's the most incredible growth environment I have ever stepped into. What I, I you know, it made me want to move to Austin. Um, so when you <laughs> expand those expansion plans, make sure you put a gym in Monroe, Louisiana. I would really appreciate that. That would be <laughs> Let me put that, that, that on the list. Yeah, <laughs> put that on the list of expansion possibilities, man. Well, Shadi, yeah. this has been a great conversation. Thank you for your time this morning and best wishes to you, my friend. You got it. Hey, I appreciate you having me on. And next time you're in Austin, let me know. We go grab us a little lunch. Absolutely. I'd love to see what a soldier eats. So that'll, yes. that'll be awesome. <laughs>